season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. to the JKR podcast. Today we have North Carolina native, former Canes catcher and outfielder, and 2023 Duke signee Macon Winslow on the JKR podcast for the Canes baseball series. Macon, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? Doing great, Jace. Thanks for asking. Glad to be up here. Of course. Glad to have you on the show, like I said. But, you know, before we dig into your baseball career, you know, with Pro 5, with Canes Baseball, digging into why you went to Duke, I got one question i like to ask everybody to start off the J-Care podcast, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Macon Winslow? Well, uh, Macon Winslow, shorten it up, is a uh, gritty player, a gritty hard worker. I um, come from a rural town in uh, North Carolina, about under a thousand people. Um, so, I mean, for my whole life, all I've known is hard work and grit. And uh, I, I use that to uh, take me to the next level in baseball. And every game I'm out there working hard and um, just a gritty, gritty athlete out there. So. <clears throat> so, so being from a small town there in North Carolina, I know you do go to Pro 5 North Carolina. Is there like, do you still live at home? Do you live there at the Pro 5 facility? Kind of let's dig into Pro 5 here a little bit, but first, you know, kind of take us through that. Yeah, so um, I actually live in a townhouse by myself um, up here. So me and another guy that I've known from the Canes, actually, Reed Hare, um, we live up here together. Um, so we've been living here since around August. But um, last year um, at Pro 5, I actually live with Gavin Gallagher. He, um, you had him um, last week. And so um, I lived with Gavin last year, me and Reed. So I was in his basement all last year. And um, so we're up here living – by ourselves this year so you have to do everything like cook clean wash clothes all that so really grow up fast up here by yourself I mean my parents are up here sometimes on the weekend so my mom comes up here and washes clothes sometimes but that's a little luxury that I enjoy but um, I mean just growing up fast fast at profile learn learn how to live as an adult up here so it's fun though yeah, so, you know, getting that experience to, you know, you're a little bit younger, what, probably 15, 16 years old when you first get to Pro 5, you have to start yeah. doing that stuff for yourself, cooking, doing your laundry, the stuff that you mentioned. You know, what type of benefits do you think that comes, you know, as you head to a collegiate campus next fall um, compared to maybe some of your teammates teammates that decided to stay at their traditional high school, kind of still live with their parents? You know, what kind of benefits do you think, do you think that brings to you? Well, I feel like it's going to put me ahead of a lot of guys. I mean, a lot of guys get home from a long day of practice and their parents have food on the table for them. I mean, I get home from practice. I'm having to uh, cook food. I mean, sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I'm putting food in the crock pot. Um, that's just stuff guys don't have to worry about, and I have to really manage my time with that and um, really be responsible about stuff like washing clothes and making sure the house is tidy up here. I'm a, I'm a really neat guy, and so – there's any dirt on the floor or grass I, i'm big about vacuuming it up and uh i don't like dishes being in the uh dishwasher so i mean i feel like compared to other guys that um have their parents there to um aid them every day um do everything for them i'm learning how to live on my own and i mean i feel like i'm living as an adult right now and so i feel like that's just going to put me ahead with my time management and allow me to really get the most out of my baseball time there and um, still continue to work hard and not let stuff outside of baseball affect that. And so I'm, I'm going to be really prepared next year at Duke, I feel like. 
Okay. So you mentioned that crock pot, I guess, you know, with you cooking for yourself, you know, what are some of those go-to meals that you're cooking for yourself on that weekly basis? I actually uh, cooked on the crock pot last night. I had a uh, chicken parm pasta. Um, I had like some buffalo sauce from, not buffalo sauce, it was chicken parm from Buffalo Wild Wings. And I put it in the crock pot with uh, chicken and uh, some noodles in there. And so that's probably my favorite. Um, I do like a roast in there some nights. I mean, crock pot's just the easy stuff. I mean, I really like uh, cooking steak a lot. Um, I've, I've gotten creative with like salmon and other stuff like that, crab cakes. And so um, I, I treat myself pretty good up here. But um, crock pot's an easy way to go. I love doing it every night. Um, I'll probably cook spaghetti tonight, something easy before we head off to Florida tomorrow. But uh, yeah, it's it's fun. I love cooking though. Yeah, that that's definitely you know a creative creative menu you got yourself there. I mean, I think that's more creative than you know a lot of college kids that I know here in Indiana. I mean, I think we're basically you know cook put some chicken on the on the grill, put some steak on the grill, cook it out, maybe put do a little bit of rice. But I think that's kind of you know as creative as we get. So, you know that that's pretty cool that you know you kind of already have know all those recipes you know as a high school kid. But you mentioned you know, you guys are driving down to Florida tomorrow morning. Kind of take us through, you know, what this spring has been like so far. I know you guys did a couple, you know, some inter-squad scrimmages, some scrimmages against some colleges and stuff like that before conference play. Kind of take us through, you know, this spring so far, and then, you know, what's leading up here these next couple of weeks. Yeah, so um, our spring started off early February, right before college. Um, we started playing um, D2 and JUCO schools mostly just to prepare with um, arms like that. Um, because when we get when we get in the conference play, we're going to be facing three starters every day over ninety with probably a really good secondary pitch, even third or fourth, you know. So we're facing really good college arms um, every day in conference play. Um, but um, this spring we've uh, played. There's been some weeks we play four or five times a week, counting inter squads. Um, we actually inter squatted a day at USA Baseball Complex. Um, so we have that luxury to do that every day. We have a bunch of guys. So. Plenty of pitchers to throw to us all the time. So um, I'm getting a lot of live at bats. And that's something else a pro being a pro five. You're getting a lot of reps here um, on the field. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just all been preparing for these this conference play um, coming up these next few weeks and months. Okay. So, you, know, you guys, you're starting off those first couple of games against some, you know, junior colleges, some D3 programs. You know, with your experience, you know, last year at Pro 5 and just going into this spring, you know, what's that difference, you know, playing up against some of the older guys playing junior colleges, Division three schools, compared to when you're facing, you know, other academies that are, you know, high school guys, but also, you know, top-tier talent like yourself. You know, kind of take us through, you know, what that difference is facing some of these junior colleges compared to some other academies. So some of them are different than others. Um, there's there's some JUCOs that have um, decent arms and they haven't really figured it out yet. But um, we we faced a uh, top JUCO called Gaston College on um, this weekend, and their whole lineup's basically D1 transfers. Um, their starter they threw against us was from Wake Forest. Um, their secondary guys from Virginia Tech, and the guy they started the second game was from Charlotte. And so all these guys are throwing three four pitches around 90 95 miles an hour, and so. These guys, these guys know what they're doing, and I feel like compared to regular high schools, too, you're not getting that there. I mean, I played public school for um, three years, and I think the highest I saw was probably 84 miles an hour. And, I mean, every day here I'm facing 90-plus, and I feel like that's going to really prepare me for college ball um, next year. I mean, conference play is really competitive. Um, last year we faced um, – three or four draft picks. Um, There's one in particular, Jacob Zibin. He was a um, right-hander from TNXL who we're about to play uh, this week. 
And um, I think he went in the around 11, 12, 13th round. He went over slot, though, I think around 1.2 million. But um, he was a really good arm. I think he's up to 96, 97. Um, really good slider changeup combo. And I mean, I don't think I don't think you can get that anywhere else in the country. I mean, there's going to be public school guys that are doing that, but consistently facing those arms every single day and getting used to that, that's a pretty big adjustment and knowing how to handle those arms and uh, their tendencies. I mean, it's uh, it's a big adjustment that you have to make. And I feel like the adjustment's going to be a little smaller for me when I get a college ball compared to other guys. Yeah. So you did mention that you did play a couple years of public school baseball. Take us through, you know, those first couple of years of high school playing for a public school and then kind of what into that, what kind of went into that decision of, you know, making that transfer to pro five and kind of just t- take us through that whole process. Yeah. So um, I played three years of public school for uh, for Clemens County, my hometown, they uh, school. And so there, there's not a whole lot around there. And, uh, the competition can um, – it's not very good sometimes. Our conference isn't very good. Um, we actually had – one of my teammates of Clemens got um, drafted um, later in the – I think around 18th round by the Giants. Um, he's a two-way guy at UNCW right now. But um, – so it was, it was me and him there last year. And, I mean, it, we, we, we kind of struggled to find a good competition. Every day we face probably 70 miles an hour. And, I mean, um, I know a lot of 4As and higher – bigger schools face better pitching but I mean um that was that was really the biggest thing that brought me to pro five the competition um and the coaching staff too um nothing against my performance coaches but um I mean love those guys like family but um I mean guys here at pro five big league experience um college experience college coaching at d1 the d1 level and um competition every day that's second to none so um it was kind of a no doubt decision for me um but when I was at public school, we won two back-to-back state championships. And um, last year, it was kind of a grind for me. Um, I did pro five and public school. And so um, having to manage that was pretty pretty tough, but um, worked through it. And, I mean, wouldn't change anything about it. So you say you played for pro five and for a public school. How did that did. work? I, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure last spring your schedule was just absolutely horrendous. Take us was- through last spring going through playing for pro five. And then for also for your public high school, just kind of take us through last spring. So um, the guys in my public school team I've been playing with, with since I was four years old. I know them, I mean, like my brothers. They're all my brothers, you know. And we just won a state championship, had a chance um, that we could do it, do it again back to back. But at the same time, you have pro five. I mean, you can't get better than pro five. Like I said, the competition, coaching staff, it's what's going to develop me the best. And so um, we came out to a tough decision. I really couldn't choose between either one. So um, – with my high school coach, we really um, agreed on um, playing pro five full time. And whenever I could get, get to Brequimans to contribute there, then I'll be there. And so I probably missed around 10, 10 12 games over at Brequimans. But, um, I mean, there were days where I'd have a 9 a.m. practice at pro five, um, done at 12. And um, I'd go back home, which is two and a half hours away, and uh, play a five o'clock game. I mean – there were some there were some days I get there before the game, twenty minutes before the game would start. I've already practiced, already caught five bullpens. Um, so I was already pretty worn out, but I mean, I, I really want to be there for my guys, and so stuff like that was a grind. Um, I mean, I think I got around fifteen games in back in my hometown, and still playing a full full pro five schedule. Um, I don't think the baseball was the biggest um, wear and tear on me. I feel like it was just um, going back and forth all the time. I mean. Um, 
after I'd finished those five o'clock games, I had to come back to Raleigh for a 9 a.m. practice the next morning with Pro 5. And so um, sometimes my dad would take me and I'd be doing schoolwork for three hours on the way back home and still have to do more. And so there'd be times I'm up at 1 a.m. just finishing schoolwork, got practice the next morning. And so I really had to manage my time there. And um, the, the mental side was tough, but I handled it really well. And it was worth it, man. Won a state championship and I got to play with some really good guys at Pro 5 and develop. I mean, last year was really big for me in my development. So, you know, playing so many games there last spring, you know, having just, you know, ter- like ter- I'm not going to say terrible, but, you know, rough schedule. You know, like you said, 9 a.m. practices, going to play some 5 p.m. games, driving back. You know, what kind of – what went into that decision of, you know, this spring, okay, I'm going to focus solely on Pro 5. You know, when did you kind of make that decision and kind of what went into that decision-making process? That decision – um came in in the fall, I think around August, we um, made that decision because um, Coach Mike here at Pro 5, he um, he offered it to me. He said that I'll be playing on the older team here at Pro 5, um, which has guys like Eli Serrano, Ryan Clifford, really high-profile guys. And, um, I mean, my whole life I've, I've faced around like 85 every day. I mean, but here at Pro 5 as a junior, I'd face seniors up 90, 90 to 95 every day. And so – that was a big adjustment for me, but I figured it was best for me. Um, and we, we made that decision early on and my um, high school coach was, um, he was happy for me and he, he wanted me to do that because he wants what's best for me. And, um, but um, I was just glad it worked out, you know, I mean, playing for my high school with my buddies and um, being here and developing a pro five. I mean, couldn't get any better than that. I mean, it was a grind, but it worked out. So, you know, you make that decision in the fall to solely just play Pro 5 this upcoming spring. Take us through, I know, talking to, you know, Coach Burke and some of those other guys at Pro 5 Virginia, at Pro 5 Virginia, they're saying that a lot of these academies are playing, like, full schedules in the fall, full schedules in the spring. Kind of take us through, you know, you get to camp, you get to that campus there in North Carolina in the fall, you know, kind of take us through what the fall schedule looks like leading up into that winter offseason you know, and then leading up into, you know, the spring season as well. Um, I feel like the fall is more to get guys acclimated because, I mean, a lot of guys are from um, out of state. I mean, even like a guy like me living out here away from my parents, I mean, you kind of have to get your body adjusted to that schedule every day at practice in the morning. So it's only, I think, a 20-game schedule in the fall, just enough to um, get better on field and game, but mostly get acclimated to everything and living on your own and learn how to um, manage time because it's different for guys. I mean, when I started here part-time my sophomore year, it was different, and, I mean, it's nothing like I've ever done before, but um, that, that's that's kind of how it goes. I mean, the fall schedule, we're facing um, JUCOs and D2 schools and inner squads. It's kind of like the preseason is in the spring. So um, that's that's kind of how it goes. So, you know, now that – so now that you've made that decision to, you know, play for Pro 5 solely, you know, let's say, you know, throw it back a couple of years. You know, let's say you're talking – let's th- say you're talking to, you know, your younger self going through that decision-making process. You know, what advice would you kind of give your younger self – Who's making that decision? Do I, you know, play for Pro 5? Do I play for, you know, my high school team? What advice would that be? And just your advice in general for someone, let's say someone, you know, making that decision this upcoming summer. Um, just, you know, what would that advice be on making that decision on playing for an academy? I feel like you just got to do what's best for you, man. Um, you can't let other people hold you back with it. I mean, you got to do what's best for you. And what's um, if you're serious about baseball and you want to play at the college professional level, I mean, academy baseball will get you there man if you work hard and you're willing to put in the work I mean do what's best for you and do it man I mean don't hold back from it um I mean when I was um when I was a sophomore I was already committed 
And uh, so that's kind of when the Pro 5 um, debate went around. And so um, that's what I figured. Just, I mean, we saw the coaching staff here and got to know Coach Mike Griffin here and um, his hidden philosophies and everything you knew. And um, if it's the right fit, man, and you know you're going to develop and there's proof in the development, um, then go for it. I mean, do what's best for you. All right, so let's go ahead. Let's make that transition to Canes baseball. Take us through, you know, your, just your travel baseball experience, that kind of what that background comes from, and how exactly you got connected, you know, with Coach Petty and this Canes baseball organization. Right. So um, I actually started Canes at 13U. Um, I've been on the national team since 14U. Um, I feel like that gets forgotten a lot. But um, I started in 13U with Sean Galler, um, Gavin's, Gavin's dad. So um, around 12U, there's this Canes team called Canes Galler. And um, my 12 year, I was guest playing all around. Um, and so it's like always you'd run to the Canes Gallery in the championship game and they would beat the crap out of us, like 10 run rules every game. And so at, at a certain point, it's like, I want to play for those guys, you know, they're, they're winning. All the guys are freaking good. I mean, I want to be a part of that. And so um, the fall of my, uh, right when I was, when I, right when I was uh, transitioning to 13, you um, made a decision to come over to Canes Gallery. Um, tried out and it all fit it fit well I mean I was a good fit for the program and so um 13U um played for Canes Gallagher and then um 14U summer made the Canes national team I thought that was pretty big for me and um from there on out I've been with Canes national throughout my whole um travel ball experience and uh wouldn't have changed a bit um love coach Petty built so many relationships over these years and it's been really fun in my development so you talk about the relationship with Coach Petty. Kind of take us through those relationships you have, you know, with Petty, some of those other guys on that Canes coaching staff. Because I know a lot of times with the Canes, like they obviously Petty's 17U, a different coach 16, different coach 15 and 14. Just kind of take us through, you know, those relationships, especially with Coach Petty, but also some of those other guys on that coaching staff. Yeah, so throughout the years, I mean, you build relationships with these coaches. Um, Rob Yount was a big part of my recruiting process with Duke. He was – um really close with one of the um, coaches over there. And so he helped me out, still keep up with him to, to this day. Um, another John Bachelor had him in my 15-year year. And he actually lives close to me over here in North Carolina my last day. And so, like, there was one day um, – so at Pro 5, we have um, this church over here that we used to work out at. And so um, I'm in there working out, and, uh, like, he, he shows up. And, like, he shows me around, get to catch up with him. And so, like, guys like that you, you keep up with. But um, Coach Petty, man, he's – He's, he's, he's awesome, man. Um, got to see him a few weeks ago and went up to Virginia. Um, but, um, he, he knows how to, he knows how to run the Canes, man. He's, he's top tier in the Canes baseball. I love him. So, you know, playing for the Canes for, you know, that 13 year with, with coach Gallagher, you know, playing for national team from 14, 15, 16, 17, you seeing the Canes for, you know, four or five years or so, you know, just through your eyes, being an insider, what do you think has led to that success of the Canes baseball program, and, and you, you know, you you mentioned Coach Petty. Just kind of what went into you know the success that you've seen here these past couple of years. I thought they're really good at getting guys. You know, I mean, um, it, it started it started early with the guys they've got in the past, big leaguers. Um, you got the Canes bus and everything, all this cool gear. But I feel like the winning um, of the Canes has, has really got them a lot of guys. I mean, um, last year that team they had with Clifford, Xavier, Isaac, Cole Young, all those guys. I mean the next year a bunch of other guys come up and I mean um you just want to play for the best and that's what I wanted to do everybody wants to play for the Canes well I wouldn't say everybody everybody hates the Canes in some instances 
But, um, I mean, everybody just wants to play for the best, and I believe we're the best. I think in the PG ranking, we're number one um, travel team in the country. So, I mean, um, that that's that's kind of how it goes, man. I mean, why not? So, so when you initially get put on that, you know, that Canes 14U national team, you know, you're, you're used to playing with guys maybe from your area, not guys from across the country. But when you finally do get put on the national team, you're playing with guys, you know, all scattered all ac across the United States. You know what? Maybe kind of culture shock kind of came with that, you know, going and playing with some of the best players in the country. Just kind of take us through that. And even, you know, how'd you build some of those relationships with some guys that you, you know, played on that national team for a couple of years with? There's a lot of different personalities and guys come come from a lot of different backgrounds. For me, I'm a small town guy. Um, I don't live in the city. There's no skyscrapers in near me. Um, there's there's no like real chain restaurants near me except like McDonald's. And so you have guys come from like L.A. and stuff like that. I mean, I love them. I mean, I, I feel like I fit in really well with them. And I mean, I talk with these guys to this day. I mean, all those guys I've been with the past few years with the Canes. And I mean, you fit in well. I mean, all these guys have the same common goal of playing at the next level. They love baseball. And so, I mean, we have a lot in common, I feel like. And um, I'm a big fish and hunting guy. A bunch of other, those other guys are too. And so we, we have a lot of stuff in common other than baseball too. And, I mean, um, I keep up with those guys to this day. Even 14U, um, I've never been like a really outspoken guy where um, I talk a lot or anything. But um, – the Canes welcomed me into their program, and so did all the other players doing the same thing um, like me this first time. I mean, a lot of those other guys haven't been to North Carolina, and they're 14 years old traveling across the country. And so um, it, it was tough for them too, I know. And um, it, it, we, we all fit in really well, I'd say. I mean, no trouble with that. So, you know, playing with all this top-tier talent, you know, whether that's playing for Pro 5, playing for Canes Baseball, you know, you're playing with guys who are your caliber, like you said, have common mindsets of getting to that next level, playing collegiate baseball. You know, for you, you know, maybe what are some different ways that, you know, you pick the brains of your peers, you know, maybe watch the way that they go about their business. With all these guys being that same caliber of ball player as you, how do you maybe expand your knowledge of the game through your peers and maybe asking some questions and seeing how about they go to, how how they go about their business? I mean, I feel like you just got to ask questions, man. You, you can't be afraid to ask questions because, I mean, if you have that question, I mean, I bet other guys too. And don't be afraid to speak up about it. But um, it's just like me watching college baseball or pro baseball. I mean, a guy like Kevin McGonigal, probably the best hitter I've ever seen. I mean, I, I watch his swing all the time and I pick his brain about his mindset um, all the time because the mental approach is probably one of the biggest things um in baseball and your success and so guys like that that are locked in you really want to pick their brains and, and um see, see how they go about things you know I mean guys like that are super locked in I mean kind of like Kobe Bryant his mama mentality I mean they're always trying to get better um they, they do small stuff I mean like meditate and control their breathing I mean that's stuff I picked on picked up on over the years um through that stuff I mean mechanically stuff like that all these guys are coming from different backgrounds um guys that teach different things and you pick up on stuff you like and don't like and what works for you and so um it's it's nice having a bunch of different sources like that and um I feel like it's really helped me over the years so you know as your travel baseball career came to an end you know last fall last summer you know just looking back at it you know all those years playing for the Canes whether that's the national team or for coach Gallagher 
you know, just looking back on it, you know, what are a couple of those just favorite memories that come to mind, maybe two to three um, when you're thinking of travel baseball, you know, whether that's, you know, on the field, maybe off the field when you guys are traveling across the country, just what are some of those favorite memories that come to mind? I'd say probably one of my most favorite memories is uh, this summer. We won the UBC down in Florida. Um, before that, um, I remember 16U, well, no, it was 17U fall. Um, we were with, um, we won the, I forgot what it was. Um, it was down in Fort Myers. It was like a um, world of bat in the fall. We won that tournament. I mean, stuff like that. I mean, we all love winning. I mean, I feel like that all brings us really close, you know, Um I mean, the small stuff, like in the hotel with each other, hanging out. I mean, I remember there was sometimes there'd be um, like the players' room. Canes have players' rooms. There'd be like 15 guys in one room, just crowded. You got guys playing video games up there. I mean, I feel like that's the small stuff we remember um, the most. I mean, that's what means the most because we're building those relationships. I mean, it's fun, man. I, I wouldn't have changed the single thing about it. So being from North Carolina, I'm going to assume that you're not too far away from Cary. Let's dig into a couple USA baseball things here. First off, USA tournament, you know, something the Canes get invited to pretty much every year. Kind of take us through, you know, your experience in that USA tournament, just the experience, the atmosphere, just overall what the entire tournament was like. I'm sure that you maybe played more than just one year there. Kind of take us through those experiences. I think I played two years on that tournament. Um, it's a great tournament, man. I mean, that's a first-class facility right down the road. I'm actually like four minutes away from it right now, so I could probably walk there in a few minutes. But, um, yeah, I mean, first-class facility. I mean, the fields are like college professional fields. I mean, you don't get really better than that. And, I mean, the competition those weeks, I mean, we faced Indiana Bulls um, two times there. They knocked us out, actually, which sucked. Um, so we had to play a constellation. But, um yeah, I mean, um, it's a first-class event, you know. I mean, there's no really – there's no bad teams in there. I mean, every every single game, I mean, first pool play game we face, guys throwing 95 out there. I mean, you don't get those bad arms out there. Like, you do like a world with bat. And so, I mean, it's 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 pretty high class. Yeah, I'm sure. So, you know, another event you got to be, t- be a part of, PDP. I saw that you were part of Team USA, but I believe that was taking part in Florida – Take us through at first, you know, PDP, just that experience, the day-to-day, maybe some of those relationships you built with some guys, you know, who aren't on the Canes. Take us through that whole event and how that kind of led up to, you know, team trials, USA trial, and how that you led to, you know, you guys winning that gold medal. Um, just take us through that whole experience. Loaded in there, I'm sure. I, I didn't I didn't actually go to PDP. I, um, yeah, I didn't get invited to it this summer. But um so, so like the national team, um, that was. So I, I was, I think I was the only guy on that national team in the fall that didn't do PDP. So that was, that was pretty cool to me. But um, so okay, so with the, that being, I'm sorry to cut you off. So with that being a little bit different than you know, all, all the way the majority of the players got to Team USA, I guess mm-hmm. take us through that journey of how you got to be a part of that team. So um, there there were two events this fall for USA. There was the one in Florida. I, I think I was at the World Baseball Classic. Then there was one in Mexico. The one in uh, Mexico was scheduled for this year, and the one in Florida was actually scheduled for last year. Um, I don't know if you remember, but um, USA went down there last year with, like, Drew Jones, Elijah Green, my teammate Ryan Clifford, um, and they played, like, a series with Canada um, because that tournament they played this year got canceled. And so what um, the event I was a part of was in uh, Cabo and uh, La Paz in Mexico. And so um, it was it was kind of a random um, – random 
team, like of, of good guys across the country. So I remember I was sitting in the same spot um, today, well, a few months ago, and um, I was looking at my emails and I see a um, email from USA, um, and it's about um, playing for the national team. I'm like, what is this? Because I mean. I thought you had to like try out and everything for it. And um, I didn't do any of that PDP stuff this summer. And so um, I'm like, what is this? And so I call my dad and um, he's looking at it. He's like, this kind of looks legit. And so he, he called Ashley Bratcher, who's the GM. And um, she, she confirmed that it was, it's a legit event. And um, it was a mix between 2023 and 2024 players. And so, um, I mean, play baseball in Mexico for your country. I mean, there's, there's nothing better than that playing for your country. So I was all in with it and uh, came away with a gold medal um, at the end of it. But um, it was, it's pretty cool though. I mean, I felt like I deserved to be a PDP, didn't get to go, but got an opportunity to play for the national team and win a gold medal. So um, that was pretty special to me. Okay. So playing for that national team, I guess I, I saw, I saw you post that team USA Jersey on your, on your Instagram. I was like, okay, my, my bad on assuming. Um, but everybody. What was that? Everybody asked me that. I mean, everybody thinks I'm with the PDP, but it's funny when I tell them I didn't. Okay. Well, so I got two back-to-back questions here, you know, from, you know, that experience there on the national team. First off, putting that USA on your chest, you know, kind of just what pride and what what kind of, you know, what's going through your mind that first time you put t- that Team USA jersey on and then winning that gold medal. Take us through your point of view, you know, you, maybe down to that final out. You guys get that final out. You guys dogpile. Just take us through that point of view as well. Uh, but first off, kind of, you know, maybe putting on that Team USA jersey for the first time. That was surreal, man. I mean, I remember when uh, they revealed the jerseys to us in uh, Arizona when we were training. God, I had chill bumps, dude. And um, I remember right when I got back to my um, hotel room, I tried on the jersey and was I probably have a thousand pictures in my camera roll of just me and my jersey in my hotel room just because I was so proud in that moment. You know, I mean, from the time I was 12 years old and I tried out for USA and I got cut my 12 year and I've, I've always wanted to play for him, you know. And I mean, right then in my senior year, getting to play for USA, I mean, that was that's probably one of the best feelings I've had in my baseball career so far I mean especially winning that gold medal man um I remember I played outfield for uh, USA I played left field one of our guys one of our outfielders got hurt and he was raking down there and so he played he played the DH role whereas usually us catchers would switch off in DH and so um I was hitting pretty good down there and so stuck and got stuck in left field and so um I remember sitting out there, that, that final win, and, and um, just looking at the crowd. It was really quiet, man, because every everybody down there was pulling against us. I remember, um, yeah, that pretty big stadium down there, and it's all but full. And um, we're in the dugout getting beer and stuff thrown on us. And uh, I remember this one time I grabbed my bat, and it's, like, soaked in beer. I'm like, what the heck? And so um, every everybody's down there pulling against you. And so you get that final out, and I'm just sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? Like, he gets this strikeout. How am I going to run in just like every step? But when it happened, it was kind of a blackout. I mean, I was just so happy in that moment, you know, and uh, I run in like flipped over the dog pile. So uh, it was just a great night, man. I mean, it's, it's probably the top, top moment I've had. I'm sure. I'm sure. Another really cool event that you got to be a part of, you know, last summer was that PG national leading into the perfect game, all American classic kind of take us through the PG national like again, like the the experience, like just the the atmosphere, the day to day, just what that kind of looked like for you, you know, leading up to the perfect game All American Classic as well. 
that was that was a great event, man. I mean, what I was mostly looking forward to that was playing the big league ballpark. I've never been in I've been at plenty of big league games, but I've never played on a big league field. And um, I mean, right when I stepped in Tropicana, I was like, wow. I mean, first one I played in is indoors and it's just it's like so tight in there, you know, and um, you hit a ball in there and it's just so loud. And so um, I got to meet a lot of new guys there and that was pretty big for me. But um, playing that big league ballpark and um, right at the end of it, my last at bat, I had a home run um, in left field in Tropicana. And um, so I feel like that really secured my uh, PG National spot, not PG National, um, perfect game All-American spot. Um, I've been a good defensive catcher my whole career, and uh, that's what I've been known for. And so the bats where I've really needed to improve the most, and when I did that, I mean, I've, I've proved them, man. I've, I've proved it to them. I've known I can hit, but it's just really proven to other people, you know. That, so that was real. So that home run that you had, I was actually, I was, as I was doing some research, came across that video clip, it looked like you smashed that ball. Take us through yeah. that AB because it looked like it was a pretty long AB as well. Like they looked like they were kind of pitching around you. Take us through yeah. that that AB a little bit. Yeah. So um, I think if I remember, it was a three zero count. And um, if you if you walk if you walk, I think it's maybe one one, and they just throw off fastballs. And so I had I had three pitches thrown to me. I was zero for three so far at PG National, and I was like, screw it, man. You know, what have I got to lose here if I swing at this three zero pitch? And he throws it right on kind of the middle outside part of the plate. And I put a really good swing on it, man, barrel that thing, and just flies out, you know. And right off the bat, I mean, I knew I hit it pretty good, but in that moment in a big league ballpark, you're like, I didn't just hit a bomb in here. And then it just flew out like seven rows in the stands. And I'm at second base. I'm like, dang, I just did that. And so, gosh, dude, that's that in USA, man, that's probably one of the biggest, the coolest things I've ever done. I mean, that was pretty big for me. All right, so, you know, hitting that home run at that perfect game national event there at Tropicana Field, you know, it's kind of cementing your place there for the Perfect Game All-American Classic. Take us through Perfect Game All-American Classic there in Chase Field in Arizona. Just take us through that whole event, the atmosphere, the day-to-day. Just just take us through that. Yeah, so that's kind of the first event where I feel like I've really been treated like royalty. I mean, we got flew out there um, and um, get there, and there's freaking so much gear on my bed. I mean – I've got I've got a few pictures on my phone of it. And I just look back on it now. I'm just thinking, good gosh! And um, you get that white catcher's gear. I've always wanted white catcher's gear, and they gave it to me there. Um, but I mean, going out there and playing with the best guys in the country that was that was pretty dang cool because you out there and you have guys that are going to be first rounders next year. And um, being able to tell my, tell my kids one day that I did that, and hopefully I'll be one of those guys some someday. Um, it's, it's pretty cool, you know. Um, but, um, I mean, guys like Walker Jenkins, I played with him my whole life, you know, um, went to Cooperstown actually with him. And so um, going out there, North Carolina boys, um, just having fun out there in Arizona, that's pretty pretty cool. And playing at another big league ballpark is uh, pretty dang cool also. Chase Field's super nice. But um, every day we kind of had a schedule that we did. We had a bunch of meetings um, with different reps, like um, – there was one Mark Pro we'd had, and they just gave we just gave them feedback on their product, or they introduced their product to us, and so we probably had like ten of those, and um, at practice every morning, buffet, lunch buffet, dinner buffet, and um, I was just in heaven there. I was living, I was living my best life, and um, meeting new guys. I mean, my roommate Nizan Zantello, he actually went to, um, USA with me later that year, and so um, building relationships with those guys. Um, 
it's pretty pretty cool. But um, I mean, I, I felt like we got treated treated like first class there. I mean, perfect perfect game did a great job in that event. So playing for Tropicana, playing at Tropicana Field for the perfect game national, and then going to Chase Field for the perfect game All American Classic. What's number one? What's number two? What are your power rankings there? Oof, it's it's tough to disregard Tropicana because I love it, and I mean a lot of people hate the field, but I mean it's it's awesome. I mean it's kind of old school, um, so I I really like Tropicana, but I feel like Chase Field was nicer. You know, I mean that pool and that pool in right center, that's pretty cool. A pool in a baseball park, <laughs> that's awesome. So you know. I- so, you know, as you're traveling across the country, you know, playing with – this is going to be for the non-Canes players. So, you know, playing for Team USA, playing, you know, for perfect – PG National, going to that perfect game, All-American Classic. You know, what were some of those relationships – I know you mentioned Nassan there, uh, but what were some of those relationships you built beyond, you know, your Canes teammates from, just from guys across the country? Just kind of take us through some of those relationships that you built. Um, a big one is Alphonse and Rosario. Um, went to the East Coast Pro with them. I play against them. Um, he's at P27 Academy, and so they're in our conference. Play against them there. Um, went to the perfect game, All-American game with him. He's probably the biggest um, guy I've built a relationship with um, over over this past year. I mean, um, I FaceTimed the other night, and we just talked for like an hour. I mean, just catching up on everything. Um, Going to see him soon, so that's pretty cool. Um, but um, – like Carson Messina, he's a uh, 24 pitcher. Um, he was my roommate and uh, at USA, um, and so um, he's he's actually Kane's guy. So I went against what you just said right there. But I mean, he he's been a pretty big um, influence. I mean, he, he was cool staying with him those two weeks. But um, Fonzie, man, he's he's from Dominican Republic. He's only been over here for I think two years. I mean, his English is perfect. I mean, so guys like that. I mean you build really big relationships with him outside of baseball. I mean, even if it wasn't for baseball, I'd love that kid. And um, he's, he's still a great dude, man. Mm-hmm. So digging into your recruiting process here, kind of take us through, obviously you are, you know, a 2023 signee of Duke. Take us through that whole recruiting process. I know you did mention that you kind of committed a little bit younger, your sophomore year, I think you said, but just take us through, you know, how that process got kind of started for you and when exactly it was that the Vision one teams kind of started reaching out. Yeah, so um, it started early. Um, I was actually an eighth grader summer going into freshman year, and so um, just got done playing for the fourteen U national team. It was um that fall. Um, went to a few camps. I knew I kind of wanted to stay in the Triangle area. Um, and ECU was like an hour and fifteen minutes from my house, and so I was thinking around like Duke, Carolina, NC State, ECU, and so um, I went to a uh, Duke, um, ECU, NC State camp. And um, ECU and Duke were my were my top two, you know. Um, so ended up getting offered by them, and uh, two great two great programs. Um, a lot of history at ECU, close to home. A bunch of my buddies from my hometown go there. Um, but it, it was it's kind of just what came down to developing players, you know. And um, outside of um, baseball, I mean, the academics at Duke is second to none. I mean, it's basically an Ivy League school, and so um, that's pretty big for me and the opportunity to play early and get on the field um that's that's also a, a big priority for me and so um the coaching staff at duke love them man there's um there's been a big change there um over the summer three of their coaches aren't there anymore that were there when i was getting recruited but um you have guys like ty blankmeyer and eric tyler who are there now 
And um, those guys are really young, and um, but I love them. They bring a lot of energy to the uh, program, and um, I'm excited for it, man. I'm looking forward to it. So, you know, as that recruiting process was getting started there, your eighth grade year, you know, kind of take us through, you know, those initial conversations you were having with a couple of those different collegiate coaches. And then even on top of that, you know, what's going through your mind? You know, you're an eighth grader, you're still four or five years away from college, and you're talking to some collegiate baseball coaches. I'm sure your mind was spinning. Uh, just take us through, you know, what's going through your mind and some of those initial conversations as well. Yeah, so back then I was young enough that I had to call them and they couldn't call me because of the NCAA rules. And so um, I remember about a week later after I went to the Duke camp, Josh Jordan, the recruiting coordinator, reached out to me and um, he um, wanted to talk. And I didn't really I didn't really understand what was going on because I was a rising freshman in high school. I mean, I knew I was good, but I didn't know where I stood like compared to other D1 guys and recruits so I mean I talked with Coach Yance and he kind of told me what was going on and I I got really excited about it and so um my first call with Josh Jordan was actually in uh Greenville North Carolina while I was in the hotel after ECU camp and so it was all kind of happened really fast um and then right on that Sunday the ECU camp um Coach Goblin and Palumbo um, had scheduled a meet already for um, Tuesday on the phone. And so um, it was all happening really quick, and it happened at the same time. It wasn't really spread out. And so um, it was it was really stressful, you know. Um, those few months, I mean, had a lot of conversations with my parents. And, I mean, this is it, it was, it was a decision that is an adult decision. I mean, I'm 14 years old, making a pretty big life decision already. And um, – so I was stressed about it, just um, prayed about it. And, um, I mean, either way, I couldn't really go wrong. But, I mean, um, when it came down to it, I feel like I made the right decision. And, um, I mean, just live with it. I mean, I'm excited for Duke and uh, the academics there. Coach Pollard, one of his big, um, big things when he was recruiting me was um, Duke's not a um, – it's not just a four-year plan. It's a 40-, 50-year plan. I mean – Baseball is not going to last forever, whether I'm done after college or done after 20 years in pro ball. You never know what's going to happen. Um, I'm still going to have that Duke degree to go back to outside of baseball. And so um, that's pretty important, I feel like. Yeah. So beyond those academics, you know, as that decision got closer and closer, you know, what were some of those key things that you were kind of honing in on when it came to, you know, comparing Duke to, I know you mentioned ECU and some of those other schools that you were kind of deciding between as well? I felt like my development's the biggest thing, you know, um, on the baseball side, because the goal is to play professional baseball and make it to the major leagues, you know. And so I go to college for three, four years, you know. I mean, where am I going to de develop the most? And I feel like um, to develop, you have to be on the field. You have to be playing, you know. And so um, Duke has a really good track record of playing freshmen. And um, there's been two or three in the lineup um, right now as we speak um, starting. And so, I mean – track records there and developing guys and um I mean being on the field is pretty important with that you know so as you got like I said like as you got closer and closer to that decision do you remember the day where it hits you okay well you're deciding between ECU deciding between Duke maybe some of those other schools and you know it hits you Duke you're going there take us through that day and kind of what that was like you know when it hits you and kind of just kind of making that making that decision yeah so the day that I committed was um, we had a Halloween baseball game from my um, public school. So we were all dressed up in costumes out there playing a baseball game. And so um, that day, um, I think I think it was a few days before that, um, I was kind of honing in on it that I'm going to do this because 
I'd reached out a lot of my old coaches, guys that I've trusted, and um, they they all um, approved on Duke. You know, I mean that's that's what they thought. I mean, I was kind of thinking the same thing. You know, um, so that that day was pretty pretty cool. I feel like I was on top of the world. You know, I mean, I was at school um, looking around. I feel like I was about to make probably one of the big, biggest decisions of my life right now. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like I was on top of the world um, at that time and committed that night, called Coach Pollard and let him know. And um, he was really excited and happy for me and excited to have me come to the program. And so um, it was it was surreal, man. It was it was a great moment and I'll never forget it. You know. So, you know, as an underclassman, when that recruiting process was getting rolling and you did commit already to Duke, you did mention that, you know, the NCAA has those odd regulations on, you know, you can call them, but they can't call you. You know, when September 1st of your junior year did hit and those regulations kind of changed, you know, kind of take us through what the difference was, you know, going from before September 1st, your junior year to after where those regulations kind of went away. It's it's great. I mean, I don't think it's uh, benefit. It didn't benefit me as much my uh, junior year as it did my senior year because um, I talk to these coaches probably once every probably three three days. You know, I mean, I text Coach Blankmeyer about something simple. Um, but um, I mean, guys guys like the Duke coaches right now I've built a really good relationship with them. Um, I actually went to the Duke Carolina basketball game with them, and so um. They're, they're really good guys. I mean, it's it's changed it's changed a lot since when I couldn't um well when they couldn't reach out to me, you know. Um I remember back then it was a pain, you know. Rob Younts, one of my Canes coaches, was the uh connecting piece there. And um he um he would tell me when Coach Jordan wanted to talk and what else. And um I would tell him when I well, I would, I would text Coach Jordan when I um was gonna call him. And so it's a lot more convenient nowadays. I mean, usually the coaches will just call me now whenever and I'll pick up, but I mean, there's a lot less um communication having to go on. It's it's a lot less stressful than it was back then. Sure. I could I couldn't imagine like a really high profile guy having twenty five different schools contact him through different people. That's that'd probably be a lot of chaos. Um, so you, you did mention that this past summer, you know, there was, you know, a little bit of a coaching change. Kind of take us through that, you know, with you being a commit of Duke, you know, you hear, I don't, and I, I have no background knowledge on this. I didn't, I didn't know Duke had that coaching change. Kind of take us through, you know, through your eyes, you know, kind of what, what happened, what happened and, you know, what was going through your mind as they were maybe looking for a new coach or they put a new, a couple of new coaches on that coaching staff. Yeah. So right when it happened, you, you get kind of worried and you get kind of stressed out because I mean, I committed there because of coaching staff, you know, but right when I got to know these guys, I figured they're great dudes and they're going to be great for my development. So, I mean, there's really no change in heart when I got to know those guys and knew that I could trust them with my development and um, just being around those guys every day. I mean, I was going to enjoy every single day and have fun on the baseball field. And so I feel, feel like there's really no change there. You know, I mean, I, I love, I love these new coaches, man. They're, um, they're great and they're young and energetic. All the players love them. They're, they're players coach coaches. I remember um, I went out there to practice one day and watched the mentor squad and uh, Coach Blankmeyer's playing second base because um, they have a few they had a few guys out that day and so he's out there playing second base. I remember right when I walked up, he uh, went after a fly ball in shallow right field and like did a flip out of there. And so um, they're they're energetic guys and they're just great to be around, man. So. I feel like there was really wasn't much change there at all, you know, even for the better, you know. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, with you being a guy who was committed there for a while, you know, that fall of your senior year when it's kind of when that fun stuff tends to happen, you know, signing day, maybe going to a couple football games, take us through signing day. You know, what was that like? You know, finally putting that pen to paper, officially being a Duke signee, officially going to be enrolled there. Take us through that. And then even maybe your official visit as well. I know you said it went on a visit and saw the coach, but just your official visit going there. I'm just seeing the entire campus with maybe some of your future teammates. Just take us through a couple of those fun things you got to do, you know, being a Duke signee this fall. Yeah, so I was having a lot of fun around this time, man. I was in Mexico playing with USA um, on signing day period. And I actually missed my official because I was in Mexico with USA. And so um, I remember that day of signing day, we had a um, little ceremony down there in the lobby. Um, it was me and four other seniors on the team, me, um, Casey Borba, Campbell Smithwick, Zan Zantella and Roman Martin, we were all seniors going to different schools across the country. And so um, we lined up there, the USA flag behind us and uh, whatever gear we had, because we didn't know what we'd be doing down there. We didn't know if we have a signing day. And so um, we're down there wearing our stuff and we sign, you know, and I mean, it's, it's just a great feeling to put it, put it in ink. Um, but um, like I said, missed my official, but I mean, got to go to the Carolina Duke game. That was uh pretty special. Um, I remember um, Coach Blankmeyer called me one night and he was like, um, so since you missed your official and you're like right here, because I'm like 20 minutes from Durham. And so he was like, if you want to go to a basketball game, let me know which one you want to go to and um, we can see if we can get you in. So I threw out there as a shot in the dark. and I was like, I want to go to the Carolina Duke game. And uh, he was like, all right, we, I'll run it by Coach Pollard and see what he has to say. And so um, they they got me in. So um I got to go with my dad, my brother, um, Coach Blankmeyer, and um, Coach Eric Tyler is actually sitting way up there because I, I don't really know. The, the seat situation is kind of tight in there. And so um, that, that was a great day um, out there. I mean, got to go to a scrimmage beforehand and go to see that game. You know, I mean, we're right there on court side, so it's pretty pretty neat. Yeah, I'm sure. So, I mean, Cameron Indoor looks awesome. I mean, obviously, Duke, North Carolina, you know, that basketball rivalry is crazy. Um, right. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure that's just an awesome experience. So, you know, as all these different coaches kind of came in last summer, kind of take us through how this relationship with these couple new coaches has evolved here. You know, this past fall, going on that visit, being with them during that scrimmage, being inside, you know, Cameron Indoor with them. Just take us through, you know, how those relationships have evolved here, you know, this past, you know, eight or nine months or so. Yeah. So um, I think the coaching change happened around um, the middle. The middle of July was when a few of them were gone. Coach Jordan took a job at LSU as their um, assistant coach. And so um, I think the last hire was in August. And so um, they reach out and start talking to you. You build a relationship. You don't know them really good yet. And so um, it just took time, you know, I mean, phone call, phone call, you get to know them more, know about their personal life, um, where they're from and all this stuff. And so I feel like just over time you get to build a relationship with them and you start talking baseball and everything else. Um, but I feel like that Duke, Duke Carolina game was the, the, the day I built, built a good relationship with them the most. And um, I got the luxury of living like 20 minutes from there. So whenever I want to, I can hop over to, to a game and um, just see those guys and connect with them all the time. And so um, I feel like I have an advantage on other guys that are in my class because I'm so close. I mean, I'm the only North Carolina guy um, in my class going to Duke. So um, I've, I've been around the program a lot.
Yeah. So since you did, you know, miss that official visit, didn't get the chance to see some of your future teammates on that actual day. You know, what are some of those relationships you have with guys in, you know, your 2023 signing class, maybe guys who are there now, maybe some guys who are, you know, a year or two younger than you. Um, Just what are some of those relationships you have with some of your future teammates? Yeah. So when I was um, at the Duke camp my freshman year, um, me and two other guys on that actual same team at the camp are, um, got committed there to Duke. And so um, one of them is actually the guy I'm in a room with, AJ Gracia. And the other one, his name's Noah Murray. He's actually profiled with me. So I'm hit with him every day and we build those those relationships. And so um, our junior year, we actually went to Duke on um, an official. And so um, I got to build relationships with those guys and hang out with them. And so um, we, keep, we keep up all the time. Though. I mean, we have a group chat. We talk in, um, talk to players outside of that. And so um, – I really know the guys pretty well. Um, Kyle Johnson's a um, guy I played with and against over the summer um, at East Coast Pro. Played against him when he was with Dirtbags. And so there's a little rivalry there. But um looking forward to playing with him this, um, this summer when I get on campus. So um, we, we, we do a good job of keeping up with, with each other. All right, so let's make this transition a little bit to you're actually on the field play. So obviously you yeah. said you're a great defensive catcher, but sometimes, you know, like you said, for that Team USA event, um, you're playing in left field. You are listed as a catcher and an outfielder, you know, on that Perfect Game website. Kind of take us through, you know, what that plan is, you know, moving forward as you get to that next level. Where do you kind of see yourself playing here? Um, and whether that is whether that's catcher, outfield, you know, at that next level. Yeah, so I'm a catcher. I feel like my values – um behind the plate, you know, but um, I've, I've made a lot of adjustments um, over the past few years um, because I haven't been a defensive first catcher. So I've worked really hard with that. And um, I, f- I feel like I made a lot of good strides, um, especially this off season. And so um, I feel like they're somewhat even now, you know, um, but um, playing a little outfield lately, um, I got the chance to play with it at the USA and coach Mike here at pro five wouldn't let me play outfield any, um, before that and so when I played with USA he was like dang you can play low outfield so I've been playing a little left field for pro five um, in the spring when I'm not catching and so um, I feel like it's good versatility you know I mean you get on Duke and you're swinging it but um, there's a catcher who's been there for three four years and he's their starter you might get stuck in outfield spot but just any way to get on the field you know I mean I want to play whether it's playing first base outfield where, wherever it may be I just want to be in the lineup you know so with you being a defensive first catcher, you know, known as a defensive first catcher there for a little bit, let's dig into, you know, your time behind the plate here to start off. First off, you know, calling pitches. Kind of take right. us through, you know, are you calling pitches when you're there for playing for the Canes, playing for Pro 5? And then when you are, you know, what is that kind of strategy when it comes to, you know, facing guys who you might not see, you know, all the time? Kind of take us through that. Yeah, so 14 years we kind of got thrown to the Wolves and we were calling pitches. I mean, if a coach wanted to call something, he'd – He'd um, signal you over, call a pitch, whatever it may be. I mean, I, I started really young, and I mean, there's a lot of trial and error with it. I mean, you kind of learn, you kind of learn the tendencies of calling pitches and everything. But um, for 17 years with Coach Petty, um, Coach Mills called pitches, and so um, he did that. And that was kind of the first time since 14 years that someone's really called pitches for me. But um, for profile, we do call pitches. Um, I think like it's big in um, – developing your mental side of the game because um in pro ball that's what they do they, they call pitches in college ball the uh, coaches do I mean it's still good to, to know that especially as being a hitter I mean I feel like I get a lot of advantages at the plate 
that other people don't have because I'm a catcher. I mean, I know guys' tendencies works for them. I know what they throw in certain counts and stuff like that. And so um, there's there's a lot there's a lot of um, advantages being behind the plate and uh, calling your own pitches. I mean, I'm pretty good with it now. And I mean, it changes with guy to guy. You know, I mean, there's guys that their stuff might not be working today and have, might stick with this pitch and this pitch. Whether um, another day it changes. You know, I mean, pitchers pitchers. I mean, they're different. I mean, you gotta know every single guy and what's working for them that day. Um, but I mean, it's it's not it's not hard once you get the hang of it though. So, you know, as you, as a catcher, you know, it's important to have that relationship with the pitcher, like you mentioned, you know, how, for you, you know, how do you kind of go about, you know, building that relationship with the pitcher, especially for the guys that, you know, you might be catching for the first time. I'm sure, you know, at the perfect game, all American classic or whatever, or the PG national, you were catching a guy you probably haven't caught before. You know, just kind of take us through, you know, how you build that relationship and how you build that trust, you know, with that pitcher. It's, it's tough, man. I mean, with the Canes, we got thrown to the wolves. Like I said, I mean, you get guys that are flying for a day and you've never seen them before and never caught them before and they throw to you. I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, but um, you, you kind of have to learn as quickly as possible. I mean, at first I like to know that his personal life, where he's from, what he likes to do. I mean, just so that I can build that trust between them outside of baseball and um, then um, talk with him about his baseball, his pitches, what he, what he likes to do. I mean, all that stuff, you know, um, what pitches he likes to go to. So I didn't start baseball, and then um, I feel like once he starts selling in the bullpen, he sees that I'm a pretty good catcher, you know. I mean, he builds that trust in me when he sees me catch. And so that's that's the quick way of doing it with the Canes and um, Perfect Game All-American, stuff like that. But um, with Pro 5, it's a little easier because I'm around these guys every day. And so, um, I mean, I, I catch these guys all the time. So they, they know um, what they've got with me. And um, – what would I do back there? But um, I feel like the biggest thing of those guys is like hanging out, hanging out with them outside of baseball. Um, I mean, a bunch of these guys come over to my place a lot, hang out with me. Um, my guy to eat with them um, a lot, you know, I mean, hanging out with them outside of baseball, building that trust with them as a friend, you know, not only as a teammate um, and a baseball player, but um, just them having trust with you as a person. I feel like that's, that's pretty big. I mean, guys love throwing to you when they, they trust you as a person too. You know, so, you know, being a very good defensive catcher, kind of take us through how you developed, you know, those skills as a catcher, you know, whether that's, you know, having a good pop time, you know, blocking pitches, whatever happens to be, you know, just kind of take us through how you develop those different skills behind the plate. Yeah. So at a younger age, probably 12, 13, I was a really good natural catcher. I mean, I've always been athletic back there. I can receive really well. I mean, block through it, through a decent but um, 14U, I did a pop-time program through um, Benji Johnson for six weeks. And uh, my freshman year, I have been I got down to like a 184 um, my freshman year. And so that was that was probably the biggest part of my game around that time. I mean, I was quick back there. I mean, um, I could move well. I could throw it well. But um, when I got to Pro 5 when I was 15, um, sophomore year, I feel like I learned a lot of the know-how to do stuff. I mean, I, I didn't really know how to, like, catch. I knew, like, what was good. I mean, um, but I didn't know how to do things, like what I should do, like how I should block, how I should receive, like my footwork, how I should actually transfer. And so I learned a lot of that stuff from um, Pro 5. I mean, Sammy Serrano and Justin Coons. Um, Sammy Serrano, his son Eli, he's he's really good. Um, don't get me started on him, but – Sammy went to uh, Stetson, second rounder. Um, 
Coonsy was a um, he went to Gardner Webb, played pro ball with the Angels, and so these guys have college and bigly not bigly but pro experience, you know. And so they know what they're talking about. And I mean, I've trusted them with my development these past few years. And I mean, they've they've done great with it. And I mean, I, f- I feel like I'm the best version of myself right now. And I mean, couldn't couldn't do any better without them. You know, I mean, I don't feel like behind the plate, I'd be where I am today without those guys. So making that flip to, you know, from behind the plate to actually when you're in that batter's box, kind of take us through your hitting approach. So let's say, you know, you're on the on-deck circle, walking up to that batter's box. You know, what's going through your mind? What are you trying to do with each at-bat, you know, as you're stepping into that batter's box? Yeah, so um, with catching, you really have to um, focus on the different sides of the game. You can't let what happened that in and behind the plate affect your at-bat. And so um, something I've really developed these um, past few weeks and start the season early, early February um, is just controlling my mind and uh, heart rate. Um Right when I step in um, the dugout after catching, I like to start visualizing what I'm about to do at the plate. I already have a game plan of what this pitcher likes to do, um, what his pitches do, his spin rates, um, what his tendencies are. So I already have an idea of that. And so now it's just coming down to executing it with a good plan. And so um, when I'm in the dugout, I'll close my eyes for a second, visualize me barreling a baseball, wherever it may be. Um, And then um, right before I get on deck, I start um, like a breathing exercise. I'll – Breathe in for four seconds through my mouth, hold for four, and um, let it out for four seconds. And so um, I do that over and over again, and uh, it slows my heart rate down. I feel really calm um, in the on-deck circle. And um, I've got this little drop three logo on my bat that I'll stare at when I do that. And so um, while I'm doing that, breathing slow, heart rate heart rate's slowing down. I'm visualizing what I'm going to do. And so um, now it's just coming down to executing it out there on the field. And um I like to stay low to the middle part of the field. Um, it allows me to stay on top of the baseball and uh, hit hard line drives with backspin. And so, um, I mean, catching's, catching's already hard enough, and you can't really let it affect you on the hitting side of things, um, especially being that's the thing I need to work on the most. And I feel like I've done an extremely good job at improving at the plate. And so um, I feel like mentally is the biggest part, man. I mean, I work hard outside of um, – the game. I mean, I prepare the best I can. And so when it comes to the game, it's just executing that. So, you know, going through the mechanics of of your swing, kind of take us through, you know, when you're in that batter's box, you know, from that load up to that follow through, take us through what those mechanics kind of look like and how you've developed those. Yeah. So um, my, my, kind of, my cues are, um, and my load is kind of showing my butt to the pitcher. I don't like a, um, kind of mechanical load I mean guys kind of force their load instead of just kind of staying smooth it's like a um they show their butt to the pitcher and they can get loaded in that back hip really well um one of the things I've really been working on a lot lately is my back elbow it'll get really high like up here and um instead of like a um load like in my lats it's like a load my um what are these um my traps my traps and so I feel like I do that because I try and muscle up a lot and so I really try and keep that elbow down so my bat path is pretty clean instead of when it's up, it's kind of straight down, you know. And um past few years, I've been a really good low ball hitter, and that's why. And so um I feel like it's just the small adjustments like that allowing me to hit pitches um, across the zone a lot better, you know. Um, but th- from there, I mean, I like working low to the second baseman. Um, so my hands are staying tight and through the baseball. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean – Having a soft front foot's big with me too. Um, staying behind the ball um, is what that helps with. 
But, um, yeah, man, I try not to overthink it too much, though. Work on that stuff in practice and in the game. It's just showtime, man. So I know we've talked about development here with these last couple of questions, but you know, this offseason, I know you said with you being known as a defensive first catcher, you wanted to change that. Take us through this offseason just in terms of, you know, some key things that we kind of put emphasis on within your development. Yeah. So first things first, mechanics. Um, want to get out of the way this offseason and uh, work on that. And so, but the load um, was pretty big and getting myself into a good position to hit. Um, so, like I said, loading that back hip. Um, before that, it's just kind of a load, not really back hip, just kind of back leg. But feeling that load really good in your back hip and getting that strong hip position and putting a really, I wouldn't say flat, but a lot more more efficient um, bat path, you know. I mean, a lot of times I miss a lot of balls because my barrel's dunking. Um, but now I really focus on a lot more flatter bat path and hit more line drives throughout the field. Um, but um, mechanically, that was – that's the biggest things I was working on. But um, when it just comes to getting the box compete, competing, um, there's these new machines I discovered. Um, they're called home plate machines. They are um, they go up to like 95, and uh, you can program and throw fastballs, breaking balls, sliders, change-ups, whatever you want. And so it's um, nobody has to feed it for you. You just dump balls in there, and they'll, um, they'll throw it. And so after practice, I go um, across the street to a place called Baseball Rebellion, and they have um, three of those machines. And so I go in there, I'd program it sometimes to do fastballs, breaking balls, and I'd work on something. So um, sometimes I just hit the fastball and take the breaking ball. Um, other times I'd hit the breaking ball and take the fastball just so my eyes can adjust. And um, so it's more game like and um, makes it easier for the game. You know, um, I like to challenge myself and um, in practice and uh, my head in sessions. So when it comes to game time, it feels easy, you know, and I'm not worried about all the other stuff. So looking at your game's entirety, so this can be when you're behind the plate, this can be when you're in the dugout, maybe interacting with some teammates, you know, when you're occasionally out there in left field and right field as well, when you're in that batter's box. If you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report that you would write up on yourself? I'd say I'm a really athletic catcher, man. Um <laughs> know how to get a pitcher through the game. I know how to call a game and um, make him feel comfortable out there. But most of all, I'm, um, I'm really athletic back there. I keep everything in front. I throw it pretty well. Um, at the plate, I feel like I have a lot of power potential at the plate. You know, it's just a matter of coming down to being consistent up there. And I feel like so far this season, I've been really consistent and um, not missing many balls and um, hitting more smooth lines drives and just being calm at the plate, you know. But um, – to keep it short, that's it. So, you know, as you've gone through your baseball career to where you're at now, you know, Duke Duke signee, played for Kane's baseball, playing for Pro 5, one of the better academies here in the country. I'm sure you've had a ton of just influential people within your baseball career. But if you could choose, you know, maybe two to three people, you know, who have been the most influential within your career and what would be the reasonings for them being so influential? Um, I'd say Sean Gallagher has probably been one of the biggest ones. I mean, without him, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to be hooked up with the Canes. Um, he introduced me to Pro 5, and so he's been probably the biggest – one of the biggest guys that helped me be in the position I am in today. Um, my dad's also been a big one. I mean, he um, – over the years, I've really kind of taught him a lot of um, stuff about baseball. I mean, being a Pro 5, I get a lot of information um, about swing mechanics, um, how to catch, like what I should be doing back there. And so I pass that along to him. But, I mean, he's a guy that's um, – he's, he's, he's not – He's not like um, really mechanical, but um, 
he um he's a big get in the box and I mean be be mentally tough. I mean you're gonna get out there and beat the pitcher. I mean when I'm struggling, it's usually men on. He's the guy to bring me out of it. You know I mean he he tells me gives me confidence. He's like you're good. You proven that you're good. I mean just get out there and have fun and compete. He's like you're in your head. You're um you're already good, man. He he says you're you're better than the pitcher. I mean you just gotta be mentally tough out there and be gritty and work hard. You know I mean. That's what he's taught me. He's taught me to work hard every single day, outwork my opponents and even my teammates, you know. So those are probably the biggest two. Okay. All right. So that was my last baseball question. Just got, I want you real briefly here, kind of with me, you know, being trying to be an agent, you know, after college, like I said, I kind of want to go through your advisor selection process, kind of just what was going through your mind, how some of these guys reached out. And just briefly kind of take us through, you know, that whole process. Kind of when when was it that a first advisor reached out? How were these guys reaching out? And kind of what were some of those key things that you were looking for throughout that process? Yeah, so the advisors didn't really start reaching out until I hit that home run at Tropicana. And um, I knew I knew my talent was there, but it was kind of just like I said, proving it to people. And I mean, I proved it there. And I mean, I started having guys reaching out to me, having those phone calls. I mean, at the time, I, I really don't feel like I needed an agent because, I mean, draft isn't until July, you know I mean? But, I mean, just having a guy here to keep me – I mean, I have, so I have info on the draft. I mean, we didn't, we didn't know a whole lot about it, and I'm not a guy that's um, really about self-promotion. I mean, I don't brag about myself. I don't post a lot of my hits, home runs, you know. I mean, I need a guy that's going to take up for me and um, get my name out there, you know. I feel like – the one I've chosen, Jake Rosner, is um a great, great one for that. And I mean, he's a young guy, young good guy that I um that I like being around. So I mean, he was the perfect fit fit for me. So at this point, you know, in the spring, you know, this is your, you know, your first draft year. Obviously, if you go to Duke, you have two to three years before that next draft. But, you know, at this moment in the spring, you know, kind of take us through, you know, maybe what's going on right now with that draft, maybe some conversations you're having with scouts. Kind of take us through that a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, I, don't, I really don't know where I stand right now. Um, but, I mean, it's going to come down to what's the best opportunity. I mean, the draft is great, but Duke's great, too. I mean, I don't feel like I could go wrong with either, either decision. So, I mean, I feel like it really just comes down to what's the best opportunity for me. And the ultimate goal is to play in the big leagues, you know. I mean, it's whatever's going to get me to the big leagues the fastest. And, I mean, I don't think I can go wrong either way. I mean, on one hand, I have Duke. I mean, great coaching staff, go to school for – three, four years with um, all my buddies. On the other hand, I can go play, play professional baseball, make money playing baseball. And so um, either way, I don't feel like I can, I can go wrong, you know. I mean, I'm excited to see where it leads, but I try not to focus on it too much. I just go out there and play baseball this spring, have fun with my buddies. I mean, I'm in a pretty good position right now, I think. All right, so down to my final three questions here. Going to call this the rapid fire section. We got about you know about two minutes before this before this Zoom meeting go ahead and ends us off. So let's see if we can get it done. If not, I can send a new link. But here, question number one: What are some of your passions beyond the game of baseball? Question number two: What are some of the internal motivations that you got to you know just help you get out of bed, wake up every morning, continuously evolve? And then final question: Dream NIL brand when you get the Duke. You get to endorse any brand in the country. What would that be? Three questions. We got about a minute thirty-five here. All right, let's do it. All right, big hunting and fishing guy. Love being outdoors. Um, done it since I was a toddler, man. I love hunting and fishing. Um, dream nil deal. I'd say Lululemon. I'm wearing it right now. I got shorts on too, but um, I picked it up this. I picked it up this year pretty big. My mom's hooked me up with a lot of clothes. 
Um, what was the last, what was the middle question you asked? Uh, the the motive, motivations you got to continuously evolve. Motivation. All right. So my dad's been a hard worker. Mom and dad have um, been a hard worker my whole entire life and nothing's been given to them. And I mean, I don't do what they do. I don't wake up every day, work hard and just be great. And so they're my, um, they're my motivation. Okay. Let's throw one more in there right now. Perfect picture. Right. 20 years down the road, everything's going right for you. What does that life look like? Future Hall of Famer, man. I mean, married, few kids, living oh. the life Hall of Famer. Next, next Yachty Molina. Next, no, ne next Wilson Contreras. I don't, I'm not a big Yachty guy. Next Hope. Wilson Contreras. Uh, but no, man, uh, that's, that's the final question here on the J Care podcast. You know, super appreciative of you coming on the show. Um, you know, best of luck, you know, as you go through this spring, go through this summer, going through that first draft uh, process. And then when you head to Duke potentially as well, just best of luck the rest of your career. And thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Jace. Thanks for having me on.